Please hold for Armchair Adventurer. That's not the kind of podcast we are. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Greg, are you alone in the office? I am. You guys want to hear one of the dumbest things that has ever been invented? All of, sure. all of the lights in my office are Bluetooth. So I cannot, I, <laughs> I'm not joking. What, do, what so does like, that mean? I, I, you know, you would think they'd be on a motion sensor or something like that. Like the ones in my office, like my actual physical office, like the, the room that my office is. Uh, those are motion detecting lights. But if I was to, you know, say walk out of my door, there is currently, it's just, it's just, you know, pitch black in here. Because the only way to turn back on the lights is to connect to the lighting system with a blue with Bluetooth. That's yeah, that that's is pretty dumb. Tec- that's technology gone too far. Yeah, who who invented that? Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. Nobody asked for that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> we figured this out because I had a coworker who was like in the office working, and she's like, "Hey," like she contacted like our HR lady who contacted us, and then we had to contact the building to figure out how these things work. And then, uh, like, yeah, he. It's Bluetooth. It's the only way to turn it on. <laughs> like, why? Why did anybody ever decide to put these in? But uh, true. Thankfully, I don't have a cubicle. I'm in an office. Oh. Oh, it's not assigned to me. I'm I'm squatting in here. But this one goes out to all you cube monkeys out there. <laughs> Today's episode brought to you by Squarespace.com. Build better websites. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. This is the final October episode, I think. Um, which, not that we've been adhering to the <laughs> thing anyway. But uh, oh, we might be able to sneak one more in. We could do one that would come out like on Halloween, which would be nice. But uh, hey, whatever. But we got uh, Greg headlining today with the Donner Party. But Dan's also got a little something. And I thought about reading you guys the plot synopsis of the 1990 uh, horror film Ravenous. Because it's pretty similar, but I figured you guys would get, figure out the bit uh, before I was done. So I don't know if it's really worth it. That's pretty funny. Any opening thoughts? Any feelings? This one I think is like uh, it's 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 about on the edge of like October themed. I think. Yeah. Um. Unless there are some sort of like haunting theories out there on the Donner Party, well, I don't think there are. they left the Reno area to go up into the mountains where they eventually oh, met their demise. You load early, partner, on like October twentieth. Oh damn! Which is pretty Break close up. to the time of recording. Oh, oh I see. Okay. Yeah. I thought. And okay. My my other tie-in here was that, uh, as some of you faithful listeners may have picked up, uh, Kane and myself live in Iowa. And uh, we had an unseasonably uh, unseasonably early snow just a few days ago, and I, I figured that yep. would make this oh. appropriate. Yeah, uh. good one. <laughs> well, what's good what's one, even weirder Eddie. is that it was it was a snow squall. Was what we got yeah. a warning for? Because it was like, you know, where my office is, we got like an inch and a half of snow. But you know, five miles north of here, there was seven inches of snow, and then a mile north of that, there was only an inch. Yeah. Suck it, Ankeny. <laughs> Pretty That's much. Funny that you mention it, Greg, because I'm supposed to get 12 inches tonight. Yeah. Ha. Huh. Me too. <laughs> you gotta get some snow okay. too. <laughs> I've had snow. 
<laughs> last year, last year it snowed in August. <clears throat> Whoa, August. Actually, I've definitely I've definitely been in the snow on the Fourth of July before yeah. in Jackson. I, I did this year. Um, it's still sixty five in the tropics of Philadelphia. <laughs> they do say that, yeah. The New Caribbean. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it is after, constantly after, sunny, after, it is. after, after the episode, we have, I'm very sorry, Greg, that was super rude. <laughs> we have uh, a draft. We've got best shootouts from television and film. Very hot. Um, I don't think I've ever come up with answers for a draft so quickly. Maybe, f- what, five total minutes? Yeah, something like that. Collecting super pick. easy, right, Dan? <laughs> it took me like half an hour to get maybe four. And Paul's got how many possible uh, options? There, Eleven. Paul? I've got seven. Eleven. I've, got, I've seven. got a few honorable mentions. Okay, I think I've got six. But Dan, you uh, you comfortable starting us out here with your little? Yeah, man. Shazibit. Yeah. So mine will be nice and nice and quick. I got sort of a medley here. I found a grunge article once again coming in clutch. Oh, hey, actually, sorry. You made me think of this with the short thing. Did you guys see that Quibi's getting shut down? What's that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that video uh, thing or whatever? Yeah, it was like a really forced new media thing where it was original shows and stuff, but you could only watch them on your phone, and they were all like short. They were like five minutes. Oh, long. yeah. Is that the thing that was it uh, Reno 911 was going to be on there? Yeah. Yeah, Reno 911 was back on there, and... They just threw a bunch of money at it, tried to get like famous celebrities to do stuff, but it's like nobody wants to be relegated to just the phone to watch things. What a stupid idea! Well, it was yeah, like that's a really trying to be the next TikTok, but not at all. Yeah, but like premium, <laughs> you know, the HBO of TikTok. It's only around for two years. Yeah, and I don't think even most of that was. I think the big push was like the last eight months or something. Yeah, but... something like that. I got tons of ads for it. But yeah, I never once thought to actually do anything about it. Well, and we saw that worked out for him. Sorry, Dan, you can go ahead. Yeah, and yeah jump good. back into it. That's pretty haunting news. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so the grunge article, I pulled three stories from it. Uh, the article's title is "Messed Up Things That Actually Happened on the Oregon Trail." So the first story is titled or is about the Sager Orphans. This is directly from the article. Ever feel like you have the worst luck on the planet? You don't have anything on the seven Sager orphans. Oh, which weird start. According to the National Park Service, six children set off from Missouri with their parents in early 1844, with the seventh being born in the wagon. Did you say the Parks Service? Yeah. Weird. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Patriarch Henry Sager took ill by the time they reached the Rockies and they buried him alongside the Green River. Naomi Sager descended into a sort of grief-stricken illness and her daughter Catherine wrote later on. She's, she was uh, at times perfectly insane. And so the mother, Naomi, died near Twin Falls, Idaho. And the children ranging from 13 years old to that newborn, were now orphans for the first time. Don't really know if there's like a second time that yeah. that happens. <laughs> Your adopted parents die. Second degree orphans, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, then let's 
see how I'll tell you how they became second orphans. Okay. Then. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so they traveled on. That's so sad. Sorry. They traveled on with the wagon train and ended up in the care of missionaries Marcus and Narcissa Whitman. They established a safe home in the Walla Walla Valley. And within the year, the seven had been officially adopted by the couple. Dot, dot, dot. Who were then killed in a massacre three years later along with John and Francisco Sager, the two eldest children. The others Jeez. were taken captive. Oh. Only four were ransomed back, and the other, I think two, or one at this point, fell ill and died. Uh, seriously, you don't have it that bad, and if there's one consolation, it's the surviving girls' memoirs that talk about the kindness they experienced along the way. Uh, I take no consolation from that. Yeah. I got two thoughts on that. Is that is that it for that story? That's it for the Sagers, yep. Okay, one. Uh, that was a very, I hate to get soy boy on you, but that was very like Stark, the Starks in Game of Thrones. Like, you know, when the oh, yeah. few children that were left were meeting up, like, whew. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> kind huh? of been through a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's the other a good thing, point. Uh, that adoptive mother, the missionary, her name was Narcissa. Yeah. So wh- why would you name your kid after narcissists, right? Yeah, that would suck. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> manifesting that they're narcissistic. You're just prophesizing. Yeah. Next story up is called Accidental Gunshots. The National Park Service, once again, calls the Oregon Trail the nation's longest graveyard. They estimate one in 10 travelers didn't survive. And that's out of like something like 300,000 people that reportedly went along the Oregon Trail. So we're talking like 20, 30,000 deaths. Uh, they estimate, or at least like average, they, they say that uh, the 2,000 mile trail averaged 10 deaths per mile. There was just, uh, there was just as much dysentery and cholera, uh, but which are like the popular things to talk about. But there was also another huge problem too, which was a lack of gun safety classes. <laughs> now, yeah. uh, okay, this article gets so colorful. I love it. Did you always pick the banker in uh, the Oregon Trail game? Yeah. Yeah, because you started Duh. with the most money. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Duh. Which was good in theory, but how many bankers knew how to properly hold a gun? Right? Think about it. Road Trippers, uh, which is just another source of information, says that Blue Mound, Kansas, was the site of the first accidental gun death on the trail. And it happened to the ill-named John Shotwell. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Unbelievable. (laughs) He was pulling a gun from the back of his wagon, muzzle first, like a chump. And it it went off and shot him right in the chest. It took him an hour to die, quote, in full possession of his senses. Ugh. Oh. Yeah. Rip. Sure, there are a lot of ways to go on the trail, but no one wants to be remembered like that. And unfortunately, he definitely wasn't the only one to die from an accidental gunshot. It took a lot of money to actually go along the Oregon Trail. So, yeah, it turned out like a lot of people who had at no point in their lives handled guns, decided, okay, well, we need to take some guns with us, and then 
shot themselves on accident. Any questions? No. Right. <clears throat> so the last story is called John Grattan Starts a War. Early contact between settlers and Native Americans was pretty much hit or miss. There were some spots of violence, some spots of like just pretty regular trading of goods. Um, but tensions continued to increase as more and more people headed west. Though on August 19th, 1854, one hot-headed idiot kick-started a 22-year war. His name was John Lawrence Grattan, and he was a second lieutenant in the army stationed at Fort Laramie. At the time, local Sioux were starting to demand more and more in the way of tolls along the trail, which, of course, makes sense, right? But obviously that caused tension. So there were a handful of skirmishes, but the last straw came when a sick cow from a wagon train wandered into a Sioux camp. The people in the camp were... Uh, at that point, being starved out by just, like, a combination of, you know, um, whatchamacallit, like, sort of roadblocks, right? Like, cuts in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they were pretty desperate, so they ate the cow. And people were pretty upset about it. They, uh, the, uh, what's his face? John Lawrence Grattan went to sort of negotiate, uh, repayment for the cow and Grattan <laughs> took several howitzers along with him okay yeah which I don't really know what an 1850 howitzer looks like I assume it's not like the 2020 or 1950 howitzer I don't really know <laughs> big old cannon okay yeah it's a good thing good getting money for a cow I'm gonna yeah. bring a cannon negotiation <laughs> tool so you can imagine how that went. The Sioux came out uh, on top in that little skirmish, but um, Grattan's body was recovered, completely riddled with arrows. Uh, the village head called Conquering Bear was also killed and it escalated into a 22-year-long war. I'll say, as a lieutenant, that sounds oh, exactly yeah. like something that I would do. Yeah, it is. Something I've heard I wasn't talk supposed about stuff like to, this. and then cause a war because of it. <laughs> you 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 negotiating payments with the locals out there, Paul? Oh yeah, the local Montanans, yeah. the Hooterites out here. <laughs> well, that's it, fellas. That, that was my little medley of uh, side stories on shit that can go wrong on the Oregon Trail. Have you ever heard the story of the Comanche? Like how they how they came to how they, what they came to be. I know a ton about the Comanche. Yeah. Paul, thank you for silently calling me out on <laughs> how I worded that. But, um, <laughs> no, looked like Paul was giving me some sidelong. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, the this is a probably a gross oversimplification, but I thought it was kind of funny. The Comanche were like, <laughs> if the culture among Native Americans <laughs> at that time was like a 1980s John Hughes movie, the Comanche <laughs> treading so would be lightly here, aren't you? The nerd, the bullied nerd, you know, who's always getting slammed against lockers. But sure. then, once horses were introduced, yeah, uh, the Comanche figured horses out way quicker than anybody and became like the most nerd rage, brutal, violent. Uh, what is the uh, word I'm looking for? Like tribe. Yeah. Um, 
that so yeah, much dude. so that even like the provisional Mexican army didn't want to mess with them at all. Which is even funny. the Apache didn't really want to mess with yeah. them. Yeah. Like as they as their territory sort of like expanded south into like Arizona and West Texas, they were like, Yeah, we'll kind of leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mobile. I, but it was yeah. like it became so uh it it became so important to have horses. It was like a status symbol. Like you had you know, you, you you married your daughter off to the guy who had the most amount of horses. Oh yeah, uh, Greg, I think you're uh, probably good to go. All right. Well, now, yeah, Greg, what what do you uh, what do you got for us? What do you got for us? What you got? Well, I'll tell you what I got. What I really really got. <laughs> I got a better. I got a. <laughs> I got a much. Well, we're talking about brutal things that happened on the Oregon Trail. Well, boy, are you in for a for a brutal story? I think it's fair to say everybody probably knows the very basics of this, right? Yeah, the Donner Party. So, so for those of you who are not the ones telling the story today, what is you guys' background knowledge on the Donner Party? All I know is that they. Well, I guess I don't know what I think I know is that they tried to maybe take, like, a shortcut over a mountain pass or something to get uh, to where they were going, and then there was really early snow. They ended up getting stuck in the snow and had to eat each other. <laughs> well... Yeah. Cannibalism, that's about all. Pretty much, yeah, that's the extremely short version of the story. Uh, the, I was okay. under the impression that they left kind of late. Not actually true. They left on time. But, uh, well, I guess that's where we'll start. Yeah. So Please, Greg, um, solve this for us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a little bit of background of the Oregon Trail. Um, start talking about the family themselves. Um, and then The Oregon Trail is a 1994 tele- uh, computer program <laughs> game, uh, that was very much enjoyed by me in elementary school. Yeah, whenever we in the computer lab. And also, uh, also inspired the similar MS-DOS game, Oregon Trail, which is much more yes. gruesome and a Halloween theme. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the Oregon Trail... Um, I mean, the, the thing that spurred all this pretty much was, uh, I mean, you know, the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, which was, I want to talk about the deal of all deals. God dang. We uh, mm-hmm. doubled the size of the country for, what, like Quick 15, 15 yeah. million dollars. <laughs> yeah. A comically small amount of money. Anyway, so when uh, Lewis and Clark made their way up there, they figured out that, uh, Oregon seemed like a pretty dang good place to be. Um, and then uh, eventually people started figuring out land routes to get up there. Um, and uh, l- this really started to pick up in like the early 1840s. Um, the route was about 2,200 miles, give or take, if you were going to Oregon. Uh, and that's starting from Independence, Missouri, which is like the number one place to be starting. Uh, Do you know why that was? Because I remember that's where you left in all the Oregon Trail games. Yeah. Um, so Independence, Missouri, if I remember right. Um, um, it was the real gateway to the West. I mean, it pretty much was. Hey. But uh, my understanding is like Independence is like on the Missouri River. Yeah. Okay. And like Kansas City wasn't really a huge thing yet. And I think everybody just kind of gathered in Independence. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. What's well, and I guess once that? like, once it becomes sort of a launch spot, it's like everybody's doing it because there will be 
all the businesses are like stock up on your Oregon Trail shit here. Yep, exactly. Right. Just like the start of the video game. <laughs> get get your tongues the, and your tongues the... and axles and food by the weight. <laughs> oh yeah, and bullets. Always get three oxen. Oh yeah. yeah. My God, get three. But yeah, the idea is basically, I mean, the the largest part of the Oregon Trail started on water, and you'd pretty much just float all your crap up the river, or you'd walk along the river all the way up, you know, up the Missouri, and then. Uh, up the Missouri? Or then you go west from there. Um, across Nebraska, typically, and then across uh, southern Wyoming. And uh, then you go through what's called the South Pass, which basically goes right uh, just south of the Wind River Range. Basically, like, the easiest way to get through the Rocky Mountains without actually having to do any sort of map. You know, well, not the entirety of the Rocky Mountains, obviously, but basically the path of least resistance. I've been to South Pass City. Yeah, you have? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Is a gold prospecting town. Oh, did you back do in your mining days. Yes, yeah. actually. Cool. I'm looking at it on we did. Maps right we now. did panning in the river, and I got a gold flake. That's how South you got Pass that City yeah, million so dollar small. gold flake. Yeah, it is. It's a. That's why you're living in your mansion. It's nothing. Yeah. There's got to be maybe yeah. 50, <laughs> maybe like 50 mansion. people in this town. <clears throat> Anymore. Oh yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying like. I, I'm looking at this on Google Maps, and it's it's just tiny. I remember when this was a bustling thoroughfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so small that Google doesn't even show its population. That's how few the people there are. <laughs> anyway, um, so back to our story here. Uh, typically, I mean, you would, after South Pass, like, uh, you know, the Fort, I believe it was Fort Bridger, it's pretty much like the split off point for where a lot of, uh, well, some different trails will go different ways. So Fort Bridger is in a town called, there's like uh, Black's Fork, I believe. So basically there's, um, I mean, now it's just called Fort Bridger, but I believe at the time they typically would call the town Black's Fork. But Small River comes down from the Utah range in uh, uh, Utah. And uh, so Fort Bridger is like in the southwest corner of, uh, of Wyoming. And people who are going to Oregon would, you know, typically turn north from there and then head up into into Idaho. And then people who decided to take a certain cutoff called the Hastings Cutoff, this is the shortcut that you guys were talking about before, uh, would head over the Unitaw Range, head down into Salt Lake area, and then head across the Salt Lake Desert, across Nevada. Do you know, Greg, um, have you heard about why it's so windy in southwest Wyoming? Something about other state sucks. Yeah, it's because Idaho sucks and Utah blows. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, (coughs) Sorry, that's uh, just allow me to make a serious addition to the story. Yeesh. Uh, Yeah, it surprised me looking at like a map of the Oregon Trail. Like there were there were several several different sort of branches uh, off and then back on again to sort of like the main branch or main path yeah but like it was it surprised me that there were a bunch of these offshoots like people would take such different routes well yeah. i mean you're... they're all looking for a shortcut that's the thing it's like yeah mm-hmm. they're all just looking like oh if you just go 10 miles north it's all just flat level land because like, they don't know that the rocky mountains are what big the way <laughs> they <Yeah>. are <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and the other thing is that it's difficult to like mark your trails and stuff like that too and so mm. 
anyway, uh, moving on. There's a this the the Hastings cutoff is the one that goes and uh, goes through the um, Wasatch Mountains, um, and uh, that goes down into like Ogden, Salt Lake City area. So um, that brings us to 1846, which is when the Donner family decides it's time to head west. Uh, in the spring of 1846, uh, in Independence, basically like everybody would kind of gather there and leave about the same time. Uh, there's almost 500 wagons that were leaving Independence that spring. Um, one of the groups of wagons leaving that year was a group of nine wagons with 32 people from the Reed and Donner families, along with some of their employees. The leader of this group was George Donner, who's a native of North Carolina, who had uh, gradually like moved west throughout his life. Uh, from Kentucky to Indiana and Illinois, and spent a little bit of time in Texas as well. But by 1846, this man was 60 years old and oh. was living in Springfield, Illinois, before he decided to leave on this journey. Brought along with him his wife, uh, uh, I believe it was Tammy, uh, who was 44, along with um, <laughs> his daughters, Francis, Georgia, Eliza, and then two of his daughters from a pre previous marriage, Elitha. Like, I, that's not just me saying that with a lisp. That's it's literally Elitha and Leanna. Ages range. Better than Narcissa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ages ranging from three to 14. Three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what? So, that man had a child when he was 50. I'm not here to judge. That. Hey, yeah, it's 1800. So uh, George's brother also joined, bringing his wife, five kids, and two stepsons. Uh, there were also six employees of the Downer family that brought up were brought along. And uh, the other family that joined them was the Reed family, led by James F. Reed, age 45, an Irishman who had settled in Illinois in 1831, brought along his wife, Margaret, with four kids and stepkids, as well as his mother-in-law, who had to... Mistake. Uh, well, <laughs> a double mistake. Before they even left, this woman had tuberculosis. Wow. <laughs> she ended up dying wow. on May 28th on the trail, which is pretty damn early. Oh, no. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, you like, leave in like April, yeah, don't you? Yeah, it's like two weeks. Like not even a month in, I don't think. God. Question. Go ahead. We might be getting ahead of ourselves here. All but right. Do the Reeds stay with the Donners when they make this fateful shortcut decision? Actually, yes. So um, uh. I'll get to that quickly because this is kind of the boring stuff, but kind of is really important for the rest of the story. So uh, a week into the trek, they joined a group of 50 other wagons, uh, kind of traveled together from there, um, and made their way to Fort Laramie, which is, uh, I mean, central, southwest, or southeastern, excuse me, uh, Wyoming. It's like the first major check checkpoint where you can, like, trade and buy and sell and stuff, right? Correct. Uh, at least, like... Not the first one. There are other ones before that, but um, mm. it's like the last major one before you go on quite a long stretch, oh. and it's on the North Platte River, so you can get there pretty much like from when you get there from like you know Western Nebraska, Scotts like you you pass like Scotts Bluff. So yeah, they uh, so they get to Fort Laramie. The first part of the trip is pretty smooth. They only they only they were only seriously impacted by some rains and rising rivers, which delayed them you know like a week or something like that, um, and so. They get to Fort Laramie. They receive a letter. Or on the way to on the way to Fort Laramie, they receive a letter uh, sent by one Lansford Hastings, uh, hey. telling them about the Hastings cutoff. Most of their group, uh, their wagon train, chore, cho like chose to go towards Fort Hall in Idaho, which is more the more well established route. 
um, and a smaller group decided to take the Hastings cutoff, mostly young European immigrant men. Um, I feel like you know it's bad if you have to advertise the cutoff. Well, you got to realize that this guy only invented this cutoff the year before. Uh, so they were like, basically like, this guy's like... hadn't spread. The other thing is that um, you'll find out later. Um, so Fort Bridger would fare quite well if people decided to take, take the Hastings cutoff. So Bridger was heavily involved in kind of peddling this so he could make more money off of, off of running his trade post there. Damn, that's um, propaganda right there. Well, I mean, as far as he knew, it was a, you know, decent route, right? True. Um, so anyway, I, I'm a little confused on how this ends up happening here. But uh, anyway, they, the so the small group of men, they needed a leader. James Reed, the leader of the Reed family, had military experience and he was younger, but he kind of had an autocratic kind of attitude. So every, everybody kind of thought, you know, he was a bit of an asshole. But George Donner was very different. He was well-liked. He was peaceful and charitable. And he was mature and actually quite experienced with travel. So they pretty much kind of decided to, you know, use him as a leader. A journalist named Edward Edwin Bryant had uh, reached Fort Bridger ahead of the Donner Party. He had he had scouted ahead on the cutoff and was very, very, very concerned about the success of the Donner Party if they decided to take the cutoff. And as such, he actually traveled back to Fort Bridger to warn them. But uh, and he, he had to leave before they actually showed up. So he just left some letters for them. Uh, to Oh, like you mean concerned as in did not want them to go on the Hastings Cur- cutoff? Correct. He was like, oh, uh. shit, this is going to be bad. You guys can't do this. So he went He went back to Fort Bridger because he's like, no way are they making this out of here alive. And so uh, he went back to Fort Bridger to wait for them and uh, eventually ran out of time and had to lead another wagon train. And uh, so he just left these letters there. But the problem is, Jim Bridger sucks. So he did not he did not give the letters to the, to these people. Of course people. not. I don't know. It's it's unclear if uh, this journalist guy had actually told uh, Jim Bridger what was what the letters were about or why he had come back. But uh, the end result was the same. And that is that uh, the Donner and Reed party decided to press on and try and get over the Wasatch Ridge. I'm surprised how quickly information moves along the trail. Like that word got to this journalist, or was he with them and the then journalist like went ahead? No, so the journalist was not with them. He was ahead of them the entire time. Uh, but then how? Like I'm just impressed by like that he was able to like hear about them, hear about their decision that they were going to do the Hastings thing. Uh, basically, I think I, I don't know how that exactly worked. All I know is that. Pony Express. Yeah. Uh, ah, damn it. I was oh, ah, yes. just about to say it. Well, anyway. Buffalo Bill himself. Rack. <laughs> Stack. Anyway. Robots. We're getting too far into the weeds with this. All you really need to know here is that they don't get the information and they try and make it over the uh over the WhatsApp train. Okay. Greg, before you continue. Go ahead. Paul. Extraordinarily vibrant can you're drinking from. Would you mind telling us what it is? <laughs> oh yes. This episode is brought to you by Cold Smoke. You ever had it? <laughs> no. Never. Is that an X-wing the on the fucking? What is that? It's uh, it's a Scotch ale. What it's, is the logo? What, what is that little design? It's uh, like a skier. Oh, oh nice! Going yes. down in like some wintry storm. Um, 
brewed up here, brewed and canned by uh, Kettle House Brewing Company in Boner, Montana. You're kidding no. me. Excellent. Spell it. Uh, B-O-N-N-E-R. Oh, that's Bonner. Uh, like no, Donner. It's going to be Boner <laughs> till the end of time. I would party. agree with you on any other episode besides this one. Thank uh, you. Yeah, the Donner <laughs> Bonner. I had time to bust that out. Thank you, but I prefer it my way. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, good taste. Go, uh, go try it yourself. All right. We should just start in- inserting ad breaks into each episode <laughs> in hopes that we can just fill them with sponsors. Brought to you it's by like the, Nike. It's like those billboards that are like, you could advertise here. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, like we already like a, got the space for you. We're basically yeah. a park bench for podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, back to 1846. Um, and yeah, basically uh, taking that cut off, bad idea. Uh, takes them a really long time. At one point, they basically like the, the the only really truly important thing you need to know about this this time period in this this little chunk of the story is at at what date do you think they were able to even just see the Great Salt Lake through the mountains? I couldn't tell you because I wasn't paying too close attention to the dates. I don't think I really mentioned many dates yet. So yeah, um, go ahead, just tell us. <laughs> August, August. I don't even know where the Great. <laughs> I mean, I know where yeah. it is, but like relative to. Basically, that's the edge of the mountains. They're going to have to, like, cross serious terrain, like, until they hit, like, western Nevada. Because Nevada, you can kind of go around mountain ranges because there's valleys. But, like, Uh, there's no way around the the Wasatch Range. It's just basically, like, it's a wall that you're going to have to go through somehow. Um, Sick. So, yeah, basically, they got the letter in Fort Bridger, which is, like, you know, from Fort Bridger to Salt Lake City right now is let me let me map this because it's it's not a long drive at all i gotta say it's probably maybe modern day like an hour and a half drive it's like 40 miles or 50 miles through the uh through the mountains oh i bet you it took them how long does that take in the conestoga wagon greg uh well it took from july 12th to august 20th and august 20th was when they were able to see the salt lake uh it took them another two weeks from when they saw a great salt lake to the point at which God. they actually reached salt lake city <laughs> going like a mile every three days it was one their slowest pace was one and a half miles a day when they were normally able to get up to 15 miles a day in when they were on the plane. yeah pretty brutal uh but antiquated technology yeah this is why people had paintings of their family members made before they left because they would literally never see them again yep yeah so true all right, so uh, obviously that took them a really long time, and uh, I know at, at one point pretty soon here, well, I think it was actually in, so I think when they hit Fort Bridger, I think they already were behind, um, just because they had some issues before that, when they were crossing Wyoming. I know at some point they found out that they were like the very, very last wagon train of all of the wagon trains that had left Independence. That's how long it had taken them. They went from like pretty early on in the pack to like dead last. Oh, I see. So, so like anybody behind them had passed them. Yeah, exactly. Skipping forward to the important part. So like once they got to the Salt Lake City, they're like, all right, now we got to cross the Salt Lake Desert, which they attempted to do and almost completely died doing so. Because uh, once they got uh, once they got to 
I don't know if you, any of you have ever driven east-west across the United States on I-80, but at one point you hit like the Bonneville Salt Flats west of the Great Salt Lake, and that's really the, the Salt Lake Desert they were talking about. The uh-huh. road just ends and you hit Salt Flat. I-80, obviously I-80 <laughs> yeah. continues, but you can't, you can actually drive out onto the, like, so there's a, there's a road that uh, goes out onto the salt and then you can drive on the salt. If you go stray a little too far off, you start to sink into the salt. It's not a good, Ooh, not a good time. Oh. Yeah. And then oh. another time I went out there and did the same thing and flipped my car around at speed when I was like 18. It was a good time. But anyway, so speaking of sinking into the salt, that's exactly what happened to the Donner party a whole bunch. And uh, they had a whole bunch of their oxen. Like they were, they went so crazy. They broke out of their chains and ran off into the desert. So they lost like six or eight oxen. Uh, anyway, eventually made it out. I think one or two people died during that stretch. Um, people have just been, you know, not dying off like flies quite exactly, but just, you know, here and there. Um, just, just I mean, like 300,000 people died. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in wow. general. So <clears throat> I didn't realize the Donner Party was so big. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was 60. He had a lot of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite the party. Quite the, yeah. Anyway. Progeny. So, um, Anyway, they make it past that, and actually, it's pretty uneventful from the time they pass the uh, Great Salt Lake Desert till like Western Nevada. Um, you know, they have their spats here and there across the state of Nevada, but they manage to eat. They manage to get water. All is decently well, but they reach, um, you know, the the pass that would eventually bear their name. <laughs> uh which obviously isn't a good start for them. <laughs> that doesn't sound that, too good. That would have been a pretty good warning sign if they were like, wait a second, this what? thing is named after us. We should turn around. Yeah, exactly. Well, by the time they got to the point where they needed to like get up into the mountains. Uh... Oh, one, one important story I left out there that was really good. So um, they when they were crossing the Great Salt Lake Desert, they had some Paiute Indians uh joined them for a few days and then they just straight up just shot and stole several ox and horse out of horses out of nowhere and then just left them in the desert um and then this guy this guy named john snyder was so pissed off about it he started to beat up an ox which is you know if you ask me kind of pointless like you're not gonna damage an ox it's like punching a wall exactly and uh sisyphus man but it wasn't it wasn't his (laughs) it, it wasn't his ox it was uh the, the Reed, James Reed's ox. And uh, so James Reed's like, hey, quit beating my ox. And this guy's like, the hell you say to me? And then just like beat the hell out of him with a whip. Like they had a whip handle just like was like cracking him in the head a whole bunch of times. Oh, my God. And so uh, Reed wasn't having that. Uh, took a knife out and stabbed the dude in the ribcage and killed him. And uh, everybody was like, so what I found out after this is... Did he rub salt in the wound? (laughs) I doubt it. Um, That'd be pretty good, though. But apparently in this time, so everything past the Continental Divide was Mexican territory they were in. So U.S. law didn't even apply out there. So it was pretty much just frontier justice. So what they decided to do was send Reed out on a horse by himself. They banished him in the middle of the the Salt Lake. Uh. What? Take us back. <laughs> Pretty brutal. 
Eventually, like, he, he, justice. I believe he ended up uh, meeting up with them again later because his his like stepdaughter like snuck out and met up with him and gave him a rifle and some food. So he made it out alive. They uh, banished their own dad. Uh well, they Step the kids dad, had, the, the kids had it's the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, the kids had no say in this. But anywho, so uh, getting to the point where they reached the mountains. The point which they had to go up in the oh mountains. Is that you, Dan? Greg, is your building on fire? Or is that no, Greg? it's just... I'm in downtown Des Moines. And Des Moines is just a furious city. Yeah. A lot of bad Chirac, things basically. in Des Moines. Well, what happens is whenever there are sirens, it just bounces off all the buildings. And I'm like 18 stories up. Can we wait this pass or... Oh, no. no. We're good now. All right. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, October 20th, by the time they actually have to hit the mountains... Even though, so they're told the pass would be good through the middle of November, which, uh, as somebody who has lived in that area, straight up bad idea. Very <laughs> doubtful. Yeah, you're definitely, there's definitely going to be snow by then. Um, they start off like one family at a time, and the Donners were dead last to start. Out of the 50 wagons or whatever? Oh, no, those 50 wagons are long since splintered. So, oh, like, no, damn. like, out of like five or six families, they were the very last to go up. Um, and uh, snow began to fall almost immediately. Um, and there's like a thousand foot rise up in this canyon to get up to where um, what was then known as Truckee Lake, now known as Donner Lake, exists um, near the current town of Truckee, California. So um, there was like three cabins there at the time that were built like two years prior by, uh, by other travelers. There was the Donner Camp the Graves Reed cabin and the Mur- Green cabin and the Murphy cabin. So basically what happens, they all post up in these, uh, in these cabins and they very, very, very quickly, uh, begin to run out of food. Um, some of these roofs were made out of like ox hide and, uh, some were made of canvas. Uh, they had no windows, no doors, only large holes to allow entry. Um, there were 60 people that were at Truckee Lake. 19 of them were men over 18, 12 were women, and 29 were children, six of whom were toddlers or younger. Uh, and that's at the that's at the lake camp. The Donner camp was just a bit down the down the trail from there. The um, there was 21 people that were camped at the Donner camp. Um, and uh, basically, on November 4th, a storm began that lasted eight days. Um, yeah, they're basically, all their ox started to die, and so they just started stacking up frozen ox next to their uh, next to their camps. Oh, um, no. They, the, the lake had not frozen over yet, but they didn't know how to fish for lake trout, so they just didn't get any fish. Uh, there was one hunter that managed to kill a single bear, and that was pretty much the only bear meat they had the rest of the winter, which they portioned out very slowly. Um, and the Reed and Eddie families had pretty much lost all of their food and everything. And so Margaret Reed promised to pay double when they got to California for the use of three oxen for the Graves and Breen families. And Graves charged uh, the woman $25, which is normally cost of two healthy oxen, just for the carcass of an ox, just for one carcass. Jeez. Things um, are looking bad. Yeah, and we're not. Yeah, this even, is like mid-November, right? Yeah, this is not even. Yeah, no, not even. This is like November 11th. Yeah, like just just so we know 
how close we're getting. What is the what is the end date? Ah, uh, good question. Uh, Do you know what month today you know when it's it March is on to this day? March pages from now. <laughs> March. Um, March. I'm gonna I'm gonna skim the rest of this because all it basically is is suffering and starving from here right. on out. But there is yeah, the juicy a long time. How did they make it? Uh, they that long? by eating well, each other. Well, yeah, I was gonna say what? human meat. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Because um, how big was the party again? Sixty or eighty-one total. Uh, you got food for months there. Unfortunately, yeah, most of them were children though, so not a lot of not a lot of oh. meat on the bones. I've heard oh, veal's Jesus. pretty good. I just want to read a few sections here. So, um, some quotes. Diet soon consisted of ox hide, strips of which were boiled to make a quote unquote disagreeable glue like jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Ox and horse bones were boiled repeatedly to make soup, and they became so brittle that they would crumble upon chewing. Ugh. Sometimes they were softened by being charred and eaten. And uh, bit by bit, the Murphy children picked, up, picked apart the ox hide rug that lay in front of their pi- fireplace, roasted it in the fire, and ate it. They're just eating dried cow skin at that point. Right. Uh, something that has been dead and like dried for ever. Correct. If it's a rug. Like, are these dudes like hunting at all? Like they really couldn't too much. The, that that uh, that bear was one of the only things they managed to kill. A couple uh, of bankers. They're lucky they didn't shoot themselves on accident. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they'd sent out like a snowshoe party. Um and basically were not really, they were not able to make it, um, had, had, had to come back. Um, but uh, anyway, so Wait, yeah. so the snowshoe party died? Is no, 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 they made it back. Uh, this is the very first, oh. yeah, very first party that tried to go out and do that. Oh, um, uh, okay. So yeah, uh, Margaret Reed managed to save enough food for Christmas for a pot of soup to the delight of her children. But by January, they were facing starvation. And considered starting to eat the ox hides that served as their root. Yeah, and then they basically got so desperate that a couple of the adults uh, <laughs> le- left left their cabin. You think you were poor? I'd eat my roof. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, by the time that they'd come back from that four-day trek out, they'd started eating the roof so much that the cabin had become on. <laughs> Unin- <laughs> uninhabitable and they had to move in with their neighbors they <laughs> ate me out of roof and home <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's awful oh, dude what was their roof made out of oxide you know, he that's told what I'm saying, you yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that oh, yeah pretty God. brutal so yeah um, so yeah the next section is just called the, the forlorn hope yeah <laughs> yeah oh, so man. um yeah, so they basically so they tr- uh, put together some snowshoes and tried to get some people across the uh, mountain pass. This is where Leonardo DiCaprio wrestles that bear, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Thought so. Yeah, Jeez. basically, they, well, they're, they're going to Bear Valley. This is the name of the valley they're heading towards. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, it's like Deathclaw Canyon or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, basically, they started off. A couple people turned back early on. Um, you got to realize at this point, there was like 12 feet of snow that they were trying to walk through. Uh, and by the third day, almost all of them, all, almost all of them had gone snow blind, which if you're unfamiliar, uh, basically snow has an insanely high albedo, which is like the coefficient of reflection. So you'll get it. Ch- you'll get. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh snow yeah, just got a pretty low albedo. Oh yeah, I'm just banging in the snow. Highest libido. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, you'll get some serious UV damage, and you won't be able to see very well. You just like stare at snow all day. Gosh. Uh, Lucky Eddie. I forget what his, uh, well, his, his name was Eddie. What was, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, he found out his wife had packed him a half pound of bear meat in his backpack. So they actually were able to keep keep trucking on for a while. What? Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, the group Stupid, quit. Eddie. After they no. ate the roof? Yeah. No, <laughs> we had like, this yeah. bear meat the well, whole fucking time? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, his wife hid it in his backpack before he left. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So he discovered it on this little side mission. No, she Side packed it. Mission, he not says. you got to realize that not not all these people are from the same family, so people weren't necessarily sharing food. So this guy, this guy had bear meat. He's the one who killed the bear. So he uh, he had bear meat. The other families were like starving because they could go kill things. It wasn't bear meat from like Fort, whatever or Independence. It was no, it was bear meat that he killed there. But he was like the only oh. one who could hunt. Anyway, okay, unimportant. So, um, <laughs> true. Anyway, they, they got going further. They got lost and confused. Two more days of that food. Uh, one of them proposed that one of them should die in order to feed the others. Some suggested a duel. Uh, and then they apparently had an attempt to create some kind of lottery system to sacrifice somebody. Uh, <laughs> and then they suggested somebody keep moving until somebody simply fell. And then a blizzard forced the group to halt. Um, a, a, two people almost immediately died. Um and as the blizzard progressed, a man named Patrick Dolan began to rant deliriously, stripped off his clothes, and ran into the woods. Whoa. And then shortly returned afterwards and died a few hours later. Real nice. Dyatlov-like there. Yeah. Not long after, possibly because Murphy was near death, some of people in the group began to eat flesh from Dolan's body. So I believe this is the first time that anybody started eating anybody at this point. Nice. Yeah. So some people, a couple people refused to eat. Um... But the next morning, the group had stripped all the muscle and organs from the bodies of Antonio, Dolan, Graves, and Murphy and dried them to store for the days ahead, taking care to ensure that nobody would have to eat his or her relatives, which, you know, I think is pretty nice. <laughs> it's it's that's something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they keep going. Basically, they end up they, they end up reaching Sacramento event, the Sacramento Valley eventually. Yeah, they pretty much, they it took them 33 days to get there from Truckee Lake. Um, God. So they informed people at um, Rancho Johnson in Yuba County, California. So Northern California, somewhere near, uh, probably, I believe that's on like the west side of the Sacramento Valley. Anyway, so basically they, they'd also, the whole idea was that they, uh, oops, excuse me. They. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I kicked my recycling bin. Uh, <laughs> Might leave that in as a little Halloween jump scare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, gotcha. Oh man. Okay. So anyway, they basically they gather a rescue party, try to get back up there. They 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 try and lead a rescue, and they they made it only twelve miles away, but had to turn around. They just they weren't going to be able to make it through this pass. So the okay. very the very first group that um, is able to provide relief, they left. They left in early February, I believe it looks like. Um, they'd even like petitioned like the U.S. Navy to help. Um, their people raised thirteen hundred dollars, which today is thirty five thousand seven hundred dollars, to Damn. go rescue people there. Uh, the Too problem bad is they didn't have a helicopter. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> that yeah. would have definitely made things quicker. Just laying around. It's starting um, to sound like the Franklin expedition. But uh, <laughs> the problem is that like the military would have helped, but most of the military in California were engaged in the Mexican-American War. So all, almost all the able-bodied men in California were busy fighting. So they weren't, get, able, weren't able to help. So Get James K. poked. <sighs> Crickets. All right. <laughs> anyway, so they get the first, uh, first rescue party up there, and uh, the best quote I saw here was, Mrs. Murphy appeared from a hole in the snow when, they, when the rescuers began to shout. She stared at them blankly and asked, Are you men from California, or do you come from heaven? <laughs> Uh, they doled out some small food portions because they were concerned that if they ate too much, they might die. Mm, um, that is true. Apparently, at this point, the roofs had begun to rot and the smell was overpowering. Oh. 13 people at the camps were dead and their bodies oh. had been loosely buried in the snow near the cabin roofs. Uh, many of them seemed emotionally unstable. Go figure. And uh, <laughs> some people hiked over to the Donners, brought back four gaunt children and three adults. Um jesus out of so what, like you said 20 something in the donner yeah it was like no in the donners it was george donner's arm the guy that like led this whole thing his arm was so gangrenous that he could not move uh <laughs> 23 people were chosen to go with the rescue party leaving 21 in the cabins at Truckee lake and 12 at alder creek which is the uh donner camp. Mm. so they make it out of there um a handful of people died on the trip back to um, oh man with the rescue party? Yeah, exactly. Like, on the, on the return trip to Sac- Sacramento. Uh, that sucks. And then the second relief party left on March, or the, uh, got there on March 1st, uh, and I believe they were able to get out, like, 17 people, leaving only five people at Truckee Lake. Again, like, four or five more people died on the way back. Three members of that relief party stayed and helped people. Uh, and then the third relief started... Uh, arrived on march 14th and unfortunately found all the children there dead oh a man named pisaberg told uh eddie the bear hunter guy that he had eaten the remains of eddie's son oh could you imagine having to break that by the way oh i I ate your kid christ oh yeah yeah, i forgot to mention but uh yeah i ate your kid uh, Eddie no swore feelings. to murder Keysburg if they ever met in California. Uh, but George Donner and one of Jacob Donner's children were still alive at Alder Creek. Um, so anyway, they've turned back and um, it was almost a month since the third relief had left Truckee that they uh, Truckee. Basic, that they basically formed a salvage party to go back out there. They found so they only oh, sorry. Basically, they, the only person who had stayed behind pretty much was George Donner. Uh, and he died uh, in his tent. So he was, and he only di- uh, had died like two or three days before the very last people got came up there. But Damn. So what's like the total death toll here? Of the eighty-seven members of the party total, only forty-eight ended up surviving in the very end. Okay. It's widely, yeah. widely considered one of the most spectacular tragedies in California histories and in the entire record of the American westward mi- westward migration. I believe the second one. <laughs> yeah yeah california's um, got a pretty storied history i don't know if it's fair to toss the donner yeah. party in there. today uh obviously donner pass is now named after them the lake got changed to uh donner lake uh, there's a statue that i have personally been to it is t- there's a pedestal uh 
that this statue sits on top of. The pedestal is 22 feet tall, and that is how tall the snow was that, that winter. Um, I can assure you as a four-foot-tall elementary school kid uh, that that 22-foot-tall looked a Greg lot, admitted a lot to being big. a four-foot-tall child <laughs> just now. <laughs> Greg is only four-foot-tall and is only nine, so uh, surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, last year. <laughs> There's been a lot of discussion as to whether or not people actually did cannibalize. Really? Uh, it's they been, ate the roof. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that a lot of the people they talked to are extremely reluctant to admit they ate people. Go figure. Of course. Some pretty decent evidence that they, they actually did. And especially considering some people admitted to it pretty quickly after when this happened. And then um, later... Nobody's admitting that for attention. So yeah. I, I bet I bet they did. <laughs> yeah, later later people like recanted what they had said. Um, but uh, I think that that's probably just to save some face eventually. So... But arche- yeah, arche- archaeologically, so yeah, God, dude. Sorry that there's no uh, no climactic ending on that, but yeah, um, just absolutely brutal all the way around. That's just the nature of it, man. It was like a slow death. It was just a slow, just descent into misery. And if they had just not taken that cut off, they probably would have made it made it completely fine. That's the most tragic part of it for me. Yeah, you said they had started with like 50 wagons, like 50 other wagons in the train, right? They would have just stuck with everybody else. Yeah. What do you guys think? Would you have eaten people or would you just uh, start to death? What an insane question. Um, (laughs) I mean, some some of these people did exactly that. They refused to eat people and ended up starving to death. So that's a legitimate question. Or would you have been one of the people that joined that track to get out of there? Because, like, there's people, the people that snowshoed out that made it to Sacramento. Barely made it, but he's, yeah. like, only the only the boldest and bravest of the people there. What do I, you think he would have done? It's hard to, like, answer that. Shot with, myself like, in the head. Okay, that's an easy answer. But um, it's hard to, like, say anything because you don't know how much further you have, you know? Like, you're told how many days it takes, but, like, you know, not in winter. So, yeah, you know, they actually snowshoeing out is all relative in the sense of, like, yeah, it might take... Oh, it's this long or that long? So, but I wouldn't. These are, I wouldn't stay these are there. Also crudely made homemade snowshoes too, not for sure. Snowshoes. I definitely wouldn't stay where I'm at in that sense. Just keep moving, even if it's just yeah. a little bit each day. I feel like I, I probably agree. would. I probably would have tried to get out of there, staying stuck in a cabin. I might eat a couple winter. kids on the way, but you know who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. T- take a couple in your knapsack for the road. Yeah, some yeah. roadies. Oh, my goodness. How did I miss this line? A uh, man that was on this trek uh, by the name of John Baptiste Trudeau. He, oh. bo- he boasted of his own heroism, but he also spoke in lurid detail of eating Jacob Donner and sa- also <laughs> said that he'd eaten a baby raw. Nice. Well, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think anybody was pregnant. So who knows? And it's what? He's like great grandson. That's the prime minister of Canada or <laughs> probably <laughs> highly. Highly unlikely to be the same Trudeau, but funny. Damn, so dude. That, that's, that's such the... a haunting story, though. Not that, not that like making the trip along the Oregon Trail was a regular thing, but like millions of people did it, right? It's oh yeah, not the Oregon Trail. I just mean in general, like the whole mid yeah. mid nineteenth century move west. Like it, it was a huge movement, so it wasn't like it it was 
it was dangerous, but it wasn't like you, you would expect to die such a miserable, plagued, immoral death. It's funny that, like, cannibalism is such a heinous act that just this one instance of it happening is something we learn about in history class, like, to this day. Oh, yeah. It's just you, Although, cannot, you cannot do that. <laughs> do not do that. Paul, Dan, did you guys learn about the Donner Party in history class? Definitely not. No. Okay. Oh, was it just because we lived out one of those little side blurbs yeah. in a textbook okay. in the corner? But I feel like I feel like that. we got a lot of. Well, you know what might you know what might help in all this? It's all kind of related because like, Jim Bridger was enormous as a like public. You know, is like the Bridger Teton National Forest was right there, and oh, everything yeah. was named after Jim Bridger mm. and like John Coulter and people like that, <clears throat> but. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess that's probably why I learned about the Donner Party so much. <laughs> yeah, because it's like I went it's to like South your local City. history. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, especially for me, because I lived like twenty miles from where this happened. Oh, in Nevada, sure. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you in Reno? Five years. Yeah, it has now occurred to me that I've been here twice as long as there. So. Yeah. True. That, that's nice. so weird. Uh, are we ready for the draft? You think? I think we're good and ready. Yeah. Okay. So let's find a draft order. Yep. Because we got, as I mentioned at the top, we got best shootouts in a movie and television. I was literally just typing Paul into Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oops. Do not search me. <laughs> yeah. You do not know what, well, I know what you're going to do. Whatever get. you do, don't Bad enter. Bad idea. Um, <laughs> please go igno- incognito, please. You're going to get that, uh, that orangutan at the end of the uh, <laughs> yeah. cartoons. Uh, we got, <laughs> I, I typed, I typed mine in so quickly. These aren't even ordered. So I think I'm just going to on the fly pull from this list, uh, as my options are dwindling. dwindling. The order is Greg, oh. Dan, yes. Paul, me. Damn Excellent. it. Are we doing snake draft still? What do you think? Snake, Paul? Yeah. Or regular? Yeah. No, let's yeah. do right. snake. We always snake since it's not as long as the last draft that we did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm up first. Yep. You gentlemen ready? Oh yeah. Drum roll, please. Yeah, we don't we don't actually need to do that. <laughs> so my uh my number one top movie shootout, movie or TV shootout. It's got to be Heat, Ugh. the bank ro- okay. the bank uh, robbery scene from Heat. Absolutely, single greatest shootout scene. And uh, honestly, like this isn't even on my list, but I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and mention this while I'm here. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Are you telling me you have another scene from Heat that you're gonna put in this list? No, maybe the, maybe those guys do. I'm just, I'm just... I don't. Okay, I've well, never seen it, so I have no idea. That's a mistake, and, you, and, you and should that's go watch why that. I knew you weren't gonna pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured you didn't see it. It's uh, it's got Robert De Niro and Al Pacino in it. It's oh, a fantastic yeah. movie. Those guys aren't good actors. And uh, what's cool. his name? Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Shoot. The Kurt um, Kurt Russell looking guy. I I don't know why I get him mixed up with Kurt. Oh Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, Val yeah. Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So yeah, that's that's my number one. Yes, that's, I want to add um, to that one because that was also my number one. That the Marine Corps for the longest time used that as their like 
infantry training lesson. They show that as how to, uh, like, like cover each other, like cover and move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In their lessons, and it's a goddamn like movie scene. Yeah, the Marine uh, Corps is teaching people through a movie. Like, that's just well, it was that's really well researched. That's just yeah. badass. I guess I better watch it or cover each other in their fire. Most most it. of the movie is not a shootout or anything like that. It's actually like, so, I don't I want I want to say a drama. It's legit that's bank thriller. robbing though. Yeah, it is, but I don't know. Good movie uh, either way. But yeah, the bank robbery scene, fantastic. So that's my number one. Daniel. All right, my number one pick is in the movie Django Unchained. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Shootout yeah, one at Candyland. Absolutely, yeah. fantastic and, uh, one. You're talking about oh, yeah. like the one where the the one guy keeps getting shot again and again. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> yeah. part of it. Like that one guy. Okay. I also just love how it starts. It's just like race that one Hans or whatever the German guy is. Just like ah, I can't take this anymore. Yep. Just shoots him, pops him in the chest. Paul Roos, the good one. Um, my number one was Heat, that L.A. shootout scene, but my now number one is going to be a scene from Black Hawk Down um, when they insert the Green Berets, Gordon and Chugard. It's going to be um, when the, the pilot, he crash lands, and he's, like, stuck in his Black Hawk. And he's basically just surrounded by, like, thousands of smallies. And then mm-hmm. these two badass dudes just fucking drop in and basically save the day. They do end up dying during that shootout or that uh, standoff. But the pilot does survive after being taken hostage. So they're awarded the Medal of Honor for saving him, protecting him as long as he can. But it's just like one of those military freedom boners that you get yeah, after sure. watching it. So. <laughs> um, okay, so I get, I get two in a row here, right? Yeah, that's correct. And I want to say right now, I want first dibs on mentioning an honorable mention because the thing that I talked about earlier that was like a by technicality only, I've decided I'm going to relegate that to honorable mention, but I want to bring it up the very second we're done. So the two I will choose right now, and first one I'm going with is what I thought you guys were talking about, the scene that you both, and that is that long tracking shot in like episode four or whatever of true detective in the like housing projects with the bikers oh yeah that's my number four. Oh, what man. you know what i'm talking about paul it's you know, incredible shootout it's not scene. ringing a bell it's where they like they bring the bikers in and it's all like one camera shot basically there's some tricks but like they're in those like low uh low income housing projects and marty's got to pick rust up that's a good shootout scene. That's a very good shootout scene. <clears throat> huh. I'm going to go back and watch that one. I do. I just don't remember. It. Yeah, I, I'm going to watch it, but I, I like I remember it. But I, it, yeah, I'm just going to watch it just for fun after this. Very it's incredible. Uh, I, haven't even, I haven't even watched all that season. <laughs> the first season? What? I oh, I only, yeah. I haven't and, I haven't and I haven't watched anything, but. The what I've watched of the first season. I've only so. seen the well, first that's season. I, but... That's something I need to get back and watch. Yes. This, I was not particularly impressed with the second and third season. That's what I've heard, so I didn't think I was missing out much. I just need to go back and finish the first. The first season, though. Good. Yeah. I might go rewatch it, actually. Yeah. Uh, my number two is the Federal Building shootout in The Matrix. The nice. one with yep. the, like, running off the walls and all that, like, green marble 
That is two in a row. Like granite, people. rather. Oh, damn. Sorry, Greg. That's okay. one of my honorable mentions, but so, yeah. Well, them loading up when they're like the whole like rack of guns that's like a mile yeah. long pulls up. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. Pretty incredible. And then when they go like go through the metal detector. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't the security guard just say? Holy shit. Yeah. And then they start shooting. Pop open the Oh, this is actually a very good time to bring up. Saw a tweet that made a very good point. It's crazy how close in time these two things were. But it's like there were literally three weeks, twenty one days where dressing in a long black duster with black sunglasses was ultimate cool and then immediate drop off. <laughs> oh no. And that was the twenty one days between the Matrix releasing and the Columbine shooting. Oh yep. damn. Because those guys really ruined that look for oh, yeah. <laughs> all the hype it got from the Matrix. Can't yeah, do that. That'll do it. All right, that'll Paul. Do it. All right, my uh, number two is John Wick. Uh, and I'm going, there's a lot of I, scenes to choose from. So I'll, I'll, I'll give I you that. But I'm going to go with the catacomb scene. Um, cool. Nice. Just because, cool. like, the whole, like, you know, it, it's dark. You don't know where anyone is. And he's, like, getting fucked up, too. Um, like especially when he's got like the shotgun like in the guy's chest and he's got to like reload it as he's holding him down with it oh, yeah. and then shoots him. It's just like very. I can't believe I didn't even think of those movies. Those movies are basically yeah. entirely shootouts. And that's like like we were mentioned hardcore earlier. Sorry if that's gonna you know spoiler someone's, but like the whole movie's a shootout. So it's like which one do you choose? Good yeah. good pick. I'm glad you didn't steal mine. Um, John Wick. But in the Red Circle Dance Club, cool. Shootout. That was my other just one I was thinking of. Love yeah. that scene. The good, music, good the lights, the crowds, dude. Just like, I mean, he, the Baba Yaga in full force, man. I mean that in the catacomb scene, obviously. But loved that dance club scene. I got a got a buddy who's got that as a license plate. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, yeah. Nice. Dope. Well, it's on. It's on a. 700 horsepower Chevy C10 pickup that's set up for autocross, which is abnormal. A <laughs> little bit. It, it was a truck he built for SEMA. But which anywho, number? What, number two? My number two is going to be the border scene from Sicario. Well, I actually have Sicario, Sicario one or two? One. It's from Sicario one. Because okay. uh, I guess Taylor all on the border, yeah. Yeah, I just meant like the the border crossing scene. What oh, I'm talking about in the tunnels because there's there's a scene where they're like sitting they're sitting in um like they're sitting in their truck like ready to go um and like there's you know there ends up being a shootout in like in the line to cross the border and so there's tons of innocent people around they have to be really careful about where they shoot so yeah good scene yeah I like that movie absolutely that and like the uh, the tunnel scene too. Eat. you know well, like it like towards the end that's the problem i fell asleep i think the last time i watched that and i don't know if i've ever watched it all the way through yet huh. i do this a lot spectacular but i do know i've seen that scene oh <laughs> yeah napper extreme but all right you again greg me again oh, I'm, God. I'm gonna double down on my taylor sheridan stuff here i'm gonna go with the security shootout scene in wind river have Sorry, I didn't it. have my microphone in my hand. That's a really cool scene. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, I, you have watched Wonder Woman. That's right. He's like, "Why are you flanking me?" Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's, it's basically real. like I would it like 
there's weird like jurisdictional what the officers from like four different jurisdictions are at this crime scene and yeah. things get tense. Yeah. Just an all around really good movie too. Super under the radar film that I think is just excellent. Highly recommend you watch it. Yeah, those nice. are my two. Moving back to you, Dan. Daniel. Yep. All right. So my We're third doing three. pick. We are doing three, right? I figured four. Oh, yeah, okay, four. gotcha. All right. The standard. My third pick is the <laughs> opening scene from Skyfall. Ooh. It is just it it starts at a hundred and ends with that really intense like oh, sniper yes. shot ends scene on the train. When, with yeah. him on the train and and his his co spy or whatever snipes him. Money penny. Money Oh oh I've literally never put that together. Yeah, yeah, well, it's like, I think you don't even find out until the end of that movie, right? Yeah. Isn't well, it's just, just like, Miss Money Penny? It's, yeah. it's Penny or, or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just go by Penny or something like that? Yeah, so. Okay. Well, I didn't so put It's it like Joseph Gordon-Levitt being Robin at the end of uh, Dark Knight. But yeah, I, I just enjoyed that scene. It was it was just a classic. Very good scene, that's for sure. Baudu. Okay. Now... This one I like just because of a lot of the buildup for it, too. It's just kind of ridiculous and just the quick change of pace. So I have the Inglorious Bastards pub scene. Cool. Where they're all, like, hanging out, talking in German, super spy-esque, and it's like, all right. We, uh, we, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just fucking all shoot each other. (laughs) It's like, I, dude, yes. Everyone basically dies, except for... Um, what one person? The actress. Yeah, her. Yeah, dude, that's that was such a great scene. I loved how that unfolded. Yeah, but it was mainly the buildup. I think that was like, you know, what gets you. It was a verbal shootout before it was an actual shootout. Bingo! So I got another two in a row here. Since I just get both of them, I'm gonna get rid of the only other thing I had on the list was no. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't say what isn't to pick before my picks. How ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the next one's going to be the movie Unforgiven. I don't know if any of you have seen that. I've not. Wood Morgan Freeman Western. But uh, it's basically, it sounds like kind of a hack premise, but it's very well done. It's like Clint Eastwood is a retired outlaw, like he's been out of the game. But then some dudes come into town and mess up uh, some women at a brothel. And he and Morgan Freeman are like, all right, one last job, you know. Nice. And there's a really good shootout with uh, the townspeople in a bar. It's good. And then the last one is Hot Fuzz, the grocery store shootout. (laughs) Oh yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good comedy in that in that scene. Absolutely, little girl on girl. Um, (laughs) I was uh, actually I was typing out Hot Fuzz, catching the shoplifter. Oh, yeah. But then I realized <laughs> okay. not a single gun was fired yeah. in that scene. I was like, yeah, oh, I can't use that. Yeah, it's a chase. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's the one you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that that's a good shootout. That's so, such a funny movie. Okay, my number four Yarp. is yeah. uh, it's another one where you could probably it's the hound. pick up the entire movie. And it's uh, Boondock Saints when he's describing uh, in... The famous line: "There was a firefight." Yeah, absolutely. With that's a that's a good movie. I I saw that very recently, actually, for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Never seen it. Watch it. Uh, kind of independent, yeah, independent classic. But um, yeah, just like how uh, what William Defoe describes the scene, all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my number four, Dano. Ew. All right, uh, kind of an unconventional pick here. Um, at least Paul will appreciate it. So this last shootout does not actually involve any guns, but uh, it's more of like a fist fight that it evolves into a clash between demigods. So the final battle of the Naruto series between yes. Naruto Uzumaki and Sasuke Uchiha. Yes! It is... <laughs> I mean, you watch this show for like 950 episodes before you get to this point. So you have literally spent like 500 hours of your life watching the show. More. And, way more than that, Dan. You, way more. Because you started you earlier when you were a kid and then you remembered and started over in college. Just and like start to end time. You've probably spent a, we've probably spent half a year of just watching <laughs> like Naruto. Oh yeah. Like we'll never get and that back. <laughs> it it's it's just such a loaded fight to begin with, story-wise. Oh yeah. And the clash begins just with two guys, best friends, also worst enemies running at each other across this lake and when they make contact, you just you're like, "Oh my god, it's on." Yeah. And it starts with the coolest fist fight you've ever seen and evolves into, like I said, a literal clash between demigods that, like, destroys half the town. Yes, I agree. It's just great. It's, like, beyond what you, like, would imagine. That's what I love about it. nailed it, yeah. There was so... I bet you the expectations were so high when this was coming out live, and they crushed it. Greg. My last pick? Save us. (sighs) Looks like all of my other ones, except for one, have been mentioned. <laughs> okay. And it's a movie I haven't even seen. <laughs> okay. I've just seen this one scene, but it, 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 like, I have this movie on my to watch list right now, just thanks to this. And that is uh, the garage shootout scene in the movie The Town. Oh, I have uh, not seen that. That was one actually. of my mentions. Yeah. The ambulance, they're, they're, uh, the EMTs or the ambulance? All right, I thought it was a uh, armored truck. Oh well, yeah, the guy's dressed up as an EMT. Yes, but they're like they're taking the armored truck and trying to get out of there. Yes, like that's that that's what that whole scene is. But yeah, I good John Ham. Yes, John Ham movie. John Ham's he's a he's a cop in that. Jeremy Renner is in it. Um, Blake Lively. Um, Isn't Ben Affleck in that? Yep. yep. He's the he's the director. And I think he's also a character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Chris Cooper too. Never seen it, but I'll add it to my list. Yeah, I, I again, I haven't seen the movie. I've just seen that scene, and it was really well done. And there's one memorable thing to it to me that just like physically caused me pain to watch. And that was there's a scene where Jeremy, Jeremy Renner takes a uh, an FAL and FNFAL, which is chambered in like 308 sticks the barrel through like a gun port in the uh that's that's in the armored truck and then just empties a magazine inside i think he's trying to get ricochets to hit the driver but the other thing is just like fire the idea of firing a 308 inside of a vehicle 
that's just immediately pierced eardrums. That's just like insane amounts oh, of pain. Yeah. And he's like running along the side of the truck as he's doing it too. It's a okay, pretty uh, wild scene. Yeah, I just want to know where and they're getting all these FALs. Because that was in Heat too. He just pulls out an FAL. No. It's like, what the no, fuck? He, that is not an FAL. That's actually an FNC. That's what Al Pacino's got. Oh. I don't think I don't think there's any FALs in that movie. Yeah, well, I'll take you all out with my 1854 howitzer. Ooh. <laughs> the, you know, I can't the, compete with that. Kane, the scene I wanted to I was going to say, what's mention. your... Uh, because it's oh, yeah. not the shootout. It is what immediately follows the shootout. Well, I guess it's kind of sandwiched in between shootouts, and that is in Children of Men, when the uh, baby starts crying. Yes. Very good scene. Don't want to say anything else about it. If you've seen it, you love it. If you haven't seen it, watch like, it. Wow, how have I never heard people talk about that movie before? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Couple okay. of mine that I had were uh, Scarface. Say hello mm-hmm. to my oh, little yeah. friend. Yep. Nice. Uh, Zero Doc Thirty, just to kill Bin Laden. Yep. <laughs> uh, Usama. Saving Private Ryan. Usama. D Day. Quite the yep. shootout, I'd say. Absolutely. And then uh, L.A. Confidential, which, Dan, I was wondering if you have seen L.A. Confidential. No, I have not. Have any of you I seen an L.A. Confidential? I yes. have not. Okay. Wait, that's the Kaiser Soze one, right? No, no. shit, that's Usual Suspects or something. Never mind. No, that's, I haven't seen uh, L.A. Confidential. It stars Kevin Spacey and Russell Crowe. Yeah, I was just thinking of a different Kevin Spacey movie. Yeah, no, it's a different Kevin <laughs> <laughs> What is that? American Beauty. Isn't it no. something Suspects? Usual Suspect? Yeah, isn't that it? Yeah. Any any more honorable mentions? Yeah, the um, Don't Let the Cripple Get Beneath You Laddie scene from Hardcore Henry. <laughs> oh, the one that's God. in the, like, <laughs> yeah. the one that was their like Kickstarter trailer, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we all watched that trailer and we were like, what is this going to be? Yeah. And then the whole movie was like that. And we were in the theater. It was just like an hour and a half of adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy in theater. Well, that trailer came out so like early. Like, yeah, definitely. It was almost like a I didn't even think it was going to happen. And the then movie, like, like... it became an actual movie, right? Yep. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. You know, it's not a perfect movie, but it was cool. It was right. fun. For what it was, uh, flame fried, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anybody else, or is that it? Dude, I had a hard enough time getting four, so I definitely don't have an honorable mention. All right. Well, cool. I guess until uh, next time. What's the lesson for this one, boys? Moral of the story. The moral of the don't story, eat your rather. Family. <laughs> Keep your howitzers at home, unless you're with the Donner Party. I've been a grubbing on a little farm on the flat and windy plains. I've been a listening to the hungry cattle ball. I'm gonna pack my wife and kids. I'm gonna hit that western road. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Where the good rain falls aplenty and the crops and orchards grow, I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. 
Well, my land is dry and crackling, and my chickens they're a-cackling, cause the dirt and dust is a-getting in their craw. They've been laying Flint Rock eggs, I had to bust them with a sledge, and I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Heard the good rain falls aplenty, and the crops and orchards grow. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Well, my hogs and pigs are squealing, they're a-rockin' and a-reelin', cause there ain't no water to waller in the draw. I'm gonna grab one by his tail, I'm gonna take him down a western trail, and we'll hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Now my good old horse is bony, yes, he's dry and hungry too. You can see his ribs three-quarters of a mile. Throw my kids up on his back, band the bay horse and the black, and we'll hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Where the good rain falls aplenty, where the crops and orchards grow. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Well, my wife gets sort of ailing when that mean old dust is sailing. And she wishes for the days beyond recall. If the work there's in the future in that North Pacific land, so we'll hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall. Where the good rain falls aplenty and the crops and orchards grow. I'm gonna hit that Oregon Trail that's coming fall.